say c'est bon. Welcome to Paris Good Food and Wine. I'm your host, Paige Donner. For the next half hour, I'll be presenting to you news, happenings, and personalities from Paris's extraordinary culinary world. So sit back and get ready to enjoy a full half hour of Paris Good Food and Wine. Like those French people do. Because it's all so good. For this episode of Paris Good Food and Wine, we'll be starting right out of the gate with a tribute to Paris Fashion Week. Paris Fashion Week takes place twice a year in October and March, with March seeming to offer big, splashy, well-attended shows. And what goes better together with French fashion than French champagne? Champagne Collet is a champagne house located in a small village just at the foot of the Montagne de Reims region of Champagne, France. For this show, we'll be talking to Antrim Duncan about Champagne Collet's Esprit Couture label. As part of the house's export and marketing division, she'll explain to us how there's more to Esprit Couture than just a label, and how Haute Couture and Champagne Collet have much in common. Next up, you'll get to walk with pastry chef Christian Boudard as I accompany him through their brand new kitchens. Christian Boudard is the pastry chef for Guy Savoie at their sparkling new digs, the prestigious Monet de Paris. This is three Michelin-starred chef Guy Savoie's newest home in Paris and where the space allowed for them to build out breathtaking kitchens that include a whole section devoted just to the making of their signature brioche. In my recent 10 Best Review of their new brioche bakery boutique located a stone's throw from the new restaurant, I mentioned that until you've tasted a Guy Savoie brioche, you haven't tasted a brioche. Chef Boudard, head of the pastry division here for a dozen or more years now, explains to us the inner workings of how they achieve this masterful culinary feat. And our final feature for today's show is all about the barbecue. Texas barbecue, that is. With several of my family members having recently moved to Texas, it seems all I hear about these days is Texas-style barbecue. So, when I heard about this young MBA's startup devoted to Texas barbecue here in Paris, I just had to find out more. She'll be dishing up the goods for us here, Southern style. So, stay tuned for another tasty episode of Paris Good Food and Wine with me, your host, Paige Donner. Okay, I have the great privilege to be at the um, brand newly redone and renovated villa of uh, Champagne Collet in Aie, France, in Champagne. And I'm sitting here with Antrim Duncan, who's working in the marketing and export side of things for Champagne Collet. And she's going to talk to us a little bit today, explain about Champagne Collet, their Esprit de Couture label, and how that has, how we can make a wonderful comparison with uh, Couture, Haute Couture in terms of fashion. So, okay. 
Hi. Um, well, so we absolutely we have the uh, Esprit Couture, which is our prestige cuvée uh, of the range. Um, so basically, where that draws its roots from is uh, Esprit in uh, in French is is basically your mindset or your spirit. Uh, couture is uh, generally associated with high-end uh, fashion garments. Couture is always uh, handmade. Uh, always uses the best of everything, uh, from materials to also the the labour. Our champagne, especially the Esprit Couture, uh, is definitely along the, say, wavelength. Everything for the Esprit Couture uh, cuvée is done by hand. So from the picking of the grapes at harvest, to the sorting, to the crushing, uh, to the, you know, taking the, the grapes away from the juice and going through the fermentation process and, and you know, uh, all that is done by hand, as is also uh, a fine woven handmade garment. Um, and that's where it really is. Also, uh, as I mentioned earlier, you know, with couture, uh, garments and clothing, everything is always the best quality, and that is absolutely the same with Champagne Colise Esprit Couture. Uh, most of the fruit for, or, or the grapes for that wine are all coming from Grand Cru and Premier Cru vineyards, around about 10 in total, uh, which is great, so we can even trace where, where all the wine is from, which is really special here in Champagne. Uh, we don't normally have that privilege. So, I mean, basically, it all comes down to, you know, quality, time, and uh, passion and love you know everything inside the bottle is done by hand as is everything else outside the bottle so every ornate piece of the packaging you see on Esprit Couture it's all done by hand so the bottles are laid in cellar by hand they're also turned for a period of three weeks uh, before we go through the disgorgement process which is another story um, is all done by hand then also the the packaging um, and all the final touches are, are all done by hand here on site at Champagne in Ai. That's fascinating, and it's beautiful packaging. The the silver uh, ribbon bow that's tied around each of the bottlenecks is absolutely beautiful. One thing that you pointed out to me in the couture room at the villa here, which is a beautiful presentation, was the year 1921. Mm-hmm. Now, I know that that's significant for the house because that's the year that the house was established, but uh, just tell us again the significance and why that year is highlighted again in the couture room here. Um, yes, so 1921, that's, um, that's really is our year. That's the year when uh, our brand was founded and, uh, you know, we're starting to, uh, to make waves in France. Um, it was also the year where you are now, uh, La Villa Coulet, was also constructed in uh, 1921. Um, as you would have saw on the mantelpiece, we have a, a selection of perfume bottles, and in particular we have one featured there, which is uh, Chanel Number no. 5, or Chanel Numéro 5. Um, and that was also brought onto market and uh, was first commercialized as was Champagne Coulet in 1921. Thank you so much, Antrim. Thanks for talking to us today for a world of wine. My pleasure. Thank you so much for, for being here. It's been a pleasure. You're listening to Paris Good Food and Wine with me, your host, Paige Donner, here on World Radio Paris. If you'd like to find out more about Champagne Coulet, you can contact the house directly at Champagne Collet, that's C-O-L-L-E-T, dot com. They offer visits during the week and on weekends to their Cité de Champagne. That's a cultural center in Champagne that walks you through a museum about the history and development of this famous wine and also includes a cellar visit. Your outing concludes with a champagne tasting. Next, you'll be hearing from Chef Boudard, the pastry chef for the newest 
Guy Savoir Restaurant, the Monet de Paris. La vie c'est du théâtre et des souvenirs, mais nous sommes opiniâtres à ne pas mourir, à traîner sur les berges. Venez voir, on dirait Jenny Serge sur le pont des Arts. I'm here at the Monet de Paris, um, Guy Savoie's, Chef Guy Savoie's new restaurant in, on the left bank in Paris. And I have the great honor of speaking to his chef pâtissier, Christian Boudard. And uh, Chef Boudard is going to explain to us exactly how this whole, this famous brioche of Guy Savoie has, has come about, like what the origin of it is. So thank you. <laughs> Bonjour à tous. Alors, pour commencer, l'histoire de la brioche de M. Savoie, elle remonte à une quarantaine d'années, puisque M. Savoie étant pâtissier de métier, lorsqu'il a appris ce métier de pâtissier, la première chose qu'on lui a demandé de faire, c'était la brioche fruits Hello. Well, the history of the brioche of Guy Savoie started about 40 years ago. It was back when Chef Guy Savoie was training to be a chef pâtissier, which was his first training as a chef, when he was still a chef pâtissier. One of the first things he created was the brioche feuilleté, which is the sort of puff pastry way of making his signature brioche, and he filled it with candied fruits, originally. Then, when he became a chef de cuisine, the chef of his own restaurant, he created his signature dish, which is the black truffle artichoke soup, served with a mushroom-filled brioche. After a frequent request by our clients, the chef decided to open a boutique devoted to his puff pastry brioche. The reason being was that he was primarily to offer different flavors of his signature brioche, such as the candied rose, the chocolate, the pistachio apricot. And for our savory flavors, you have the parmesan brioche and many others. So, for this famous brioche, you have a special way to make it. You have two steps in the preparation, two methods of working, two types of techniques even. To start with, you have the regular pastry dough of the brioche which will let rise. Then we have our technique, the step that adds the feuilleté or delicate layered puffiness to the dough. So in a sense, we use a traditional technique of feuilleté or layered pastry, but we use the brioche dough to do it. And this is what gives this product the crispy flakiness outside and the soft, moist center inside the brioche. Delicious. They are so delicious. Right around the time when they just... Because this restaurant is just very newly opened, uh, September 2015. Okay, so the, so the boutique opened in at the beginning of July. So just around the time that this restaurant opened. And it's a boutique, the first of its kind here, that sells just these signature Guy Savoie brioche that are made now um, by the chef pâtissier, that our guest today. En termes de en termes de logistique, c'est beaucoup plus simple pour nous de fonctionner de cette façon-là, pour la simple et bonne raison que, en étant à l'hôtel de la Monnaie de Paris, là où nous avons intégré le lieu pour le restaurant, nous avons suffisamment de, de, de surface et having the boutique right around the corner from the new Guy Savoie restaurant here at Monnaie de Paris makes it easy in terms of logistics. At the time that these kitchens were built for chef Guy Savoie. We had enough space and material to integrate this extra part devoted to the baking of our signature brioche. The boutique, Goût du Brioche, is just 300 meters from the restaurant. 
So we simply have to stay in regular communication with our salesperson at the boutique and that allows us to supply fresh brioche on demand based on what the boutique is selling more of that day. So we can be really responsive in the moment and throughout the day we deliver the fresh brioche via bicycle. So the boutique is constantly restocked all day long only with fresh product. The advantage is that it's not always easy to find a place like this, so spacious, in the heart of the 6th arrondissement. And what that affords us is the opportunity to bake our brioche here and deliver them fresh to our boutique around the corner all day long. I just had the great advantage of having um, a, a tour of your kitchens, and they are they are so spacious. They are really beautiful kitchens. But une dernière question, chef, s'il vous plaît. Um, quel est votre parcours? Just, um, so just uh, he's gonna chef Poudard is gonna tell us a little bit about how he came to be the chef pâtissier for Trois Étoiles uh, Guy Savoie. Mon parcours, mon parcours, il est il est, il est simple hein, puisque il y a 20 ans maintenant, je suis arrivé comme stagiaire chez Guy Savoie en tant que pâtissier. Et moi, j'ai fait le contraire de Guy Savoie, c'est-à-dire que j'ai eu tous mes diplômes en cuisine. Et j'ai eu la chance à l'époque, il y a 20 ans, d'intégrer la pâtisserie de chez Guy Savoie. My path was simple. I arrived here now 20 years ago as an intern with Guy Savoie for pastry making. And actually, I did the opposite of Chef Savoie, in that my diplomas and studies were all done for chefing. But I had the good fortune to find this internship with Guy Savoie. But there was no more places available in the main kitchen, but rather in the pastry kitchens. And right away, I realized it was a good fit. It was something of a revelation for me how much I enjoy pastry making. So along the way, I completed my diplomas in pastry making while working in Chef Savoie's kitchens. Then I went to La Durée for a stint to really build on this solid foundation as a pastry chef and to deepen the mastery of pastry techniques that I didn't learn in school. Then, Chef Savoie called me about a dozen years ago now to see if I would accept the challenge of being his pastry chef at the restaurant Guy Savoie. Now, I too have a team that is quite young. My assistant, Valentin, is 24 years old and both my kitchen helps are only 22 years old. I help a lot with their training because I feel these days we have to take the time to help train the next generation. And it's very, very important to build loyalty while at the same time giving them responsibility. So that's my way forward and it's how I do things with my team for the Goody Brioche Boutique as well. My team there is also quite young. My production manager is only 22. You have to give them the means to develop and also train them to carry responsibility as soon as possible. But, of course, with guidance. In any case, that's my opinion, my viewpoint as to how to best do things in the world of pastry chefing today. Well, that's, that's great. And it also seems to be in keeping um, very much also with Chef Savoie, who's known for cultivating, for mentoring people. Mais moi, la façon dont je procède par rapport à la formation et, le, et de, de donner des responsabilités à mon équipe, M. Savoie a, a procédé de la même façon avec moi, c'est-à-dire que petit à petit, depuis toutes ces années, il m'a fait grandir dans sa société et petit à petit, il m'a donné ses responsabilités. The way I train and work with my teams and the way I give them responsibility early on is the same way that Chef Savoie worked with me. That's to say that, little by little, throughout the years, he's promoted me and made me a part of his company. Gradually, along the way, he gave me more and more responsibility. When we see this image that we have today of Chef Savoie, 
a genuine human being and someone who is close to his team and with whom I have had a close working relationship all these years. I know what he likes and what he doesn't like. It has great advantages. Such as, when he says, go make me a dessert with honey, I get to work on it. And then when I have him taste it, 80, even 90% of the time he likes it and it's good to go with perhaps just small adjustments to make. So I know what he likes and what he doesn't like. With my team it's the same. They've been with me now for five or six years, most of them, except the apprentices, of course, because those we get new every year, or sometimes we can renew the contract. So in sum, this image that we have of Guy Savoie giving the new generation a chance and training them up, like he did with me, is one that I, too, carry forth for my own team. Cool, cool. Well, thank you so much, Chef, for sharing your time today. <laughs> Even if you aren't budgeting for a three Michelin-starred lunch or dinner this week, you can still enjoy a whole gobful of goodness by stopping by the Brioche Bakery, the Goût de Brioche, which is located on the picturesque Rue Mazarine at numero 54 right in the heart of Saint-Germain. The sweet-flavored brioche make wonderful breakfast, brunch, and afternoon snacks, while the savory brioche are delicious appetizers for lunch or dinner. Goût de Brioche, that's spelled G-O-U-T-D-E-B-R-I-O-C-H-E dot com. And many thanks for the English voiceover by Olivier Chow. Next up is Jessie Chapman as she tells us all about her smoking hot new barbecue business. This show is brought to you by Paris Food and Wine. Download the Paris Food and Wine app in the App Store today. For questions, comments, and suggestions for our show, find us in the iTunes Store by searching for Paris Good Food and Wine. We love to hear from you. All right, so sitting across from Jesse Chapman, our resident Texan. <laughs> I'm proud for the title. I'm proud to have that. As you, as you should be. And you are, with your good old American pioneering spirit, you have just launched with your, with your husband, TexaQ. That's right. Okay, so tell us, what is TexaQ? Okay, well, first of all, TexaQ, uh, as pronounced by the French, is Texac. Uh, which I did not think about when we first came up with the name. But we, we play with the, the Q part of it. Q in French means at, um, rear end, of, yeah, the derriere part. So uh, we say for the love of the Q, which kind of has that little fun connotation. And so, uh, so yeah, totally but playing to, totally playing into it now. We'll make T-shirts with a, a nice posterior and stuff like that, holding a, a rib. Um, but what we do is we smoke barbecue. We have a smokehouse and we are trying our best to bring the unknown dish of barbecue to France. Well, you know, I, I guess it is kind of unknown because what, when you say barbecue here in France, what do people think of? Uh, very much it's a faux ami, so it's not something that, well, they think they understand barbecue, but actually what they're thinking of is sausages or burgers on a grill, which is similar, used to be the way the Midwest of the United States was, but Barbecue migrated from the south up and even over to London, and it's crazy big in London, and it is really unheard of here. So we see a, a great opportunity. Because when you say brisket, as a good old Texan girl, you're thinking brisket, and tell me what you're thinking. So um, it, it could be any sort of big piece of meat that's 
uh, marinated or cooked for a long time, whether it's direct heat or indirect. But for me, barbecue is indirect heat. It's a, a pork shoulder. It's a brisket. It's a slab of ribs. Even We've even done uh, smoked turkeys. But it's really that you have to have charcoal and you have to have scented wood. Indirect heat, long time, and it gives it that flavor. It gives it what we call the smoke ring, which when you cut, if you think about it, you've probably seen it. You may not have no, thought about it, but when you cut into smoked meat, there's a pink ring around where you've cut. That is the smoke flavor that has injected itself into the meat. That's the good stuff. Oh, yeah. You're, you're, my mouth is starting to water now. Now, listen, it's not like you just sort of um, fell off the truck and decided to do this. You, you, know, you and your husband have a bit of a, of a history. So t- tell me where the, the smoking got started. Sure. So my Texas barbecue started in <clears throat> Chicago. But we'll keep that a little just between us and everyone listening. Um, but yeah, so it was a nice romantic gesture from the part of my husband to give me a gift that really served his purpose, which was let's take a smoking class together. It's something I always grew up with, but I, you know, I didn't grow up knowing how to ride a horse or knowing how to smoke. It's just things that were around me as a Texan. So I finally, at the age of, I don't know, maybe 27, 28, learned how to smoke barbecue in Chicago. And uh, it actually wasn't until France, living in France, that we owned our own smoker. So it's, it's been really in France that it started. So very across, uh, across uh, the ocean, across Atlantic. Yeah, it's almost like you maybe you were a little bit homesick and decided to, to do what felt like home. But in the meantime, too, you got an MBA. And was it now during your the process of getting the MBA that this business model sort of came to you? Yeah, absolutely. So my husband, uh, the engineer, was super into the the aspects of like, how do I turn a tough piece of meat into delicious barbecue? What's the perfect method? And for me, in my MBA, I took classes like operations management and finance and all of these different things that showed me the difference between why some businesses are successful and some aren't. So for me, the business model was what really drove me at that point in, in time. And after graduating my MBA is when my husband and I just started smoking like crazy. And the business model kind of kind of came as it, it kind of developed naturally. And it was the smoking that we were, we were both super into. You know, it's, it's interesting because, um, you know, we've just now lived through a few years of a phase here, like a, almost like a crazy popular phase of food trucks here in Paris. So I, you know, my, my natural question is to go now, why are you guys going for, um, well, first of all, explain to, you know, to our listeners, the, your business model, and then why didn't you go for the, the food truck model? Sure. So. What we do is um, a couple of different things. If you, the biggest plan for us is all of the little bars out there, all of the little pubs or even big pubs that maybe are sports related or maybe um, uh, English speaking, uh, a lot of them don't have a big kitchen. Um, It's really tough to find real estate in in Paris and and you kind of take what you can get. And so for all of those people who cannot smoke barbecue because it's basically not permitted in the city we want to give barbecue to them we want them to be able to serve parisians barbecue and that's going to with this model we can get more parisians eating more barbecue and so that's really what we we think is going to be the best 
Um, on the flip side of that, you, for example, if you're like, I'm homesick, just like I am, I want some barbecue, you have a dinner party of 20 guests, you buy, you take one of our briskets, and voila, in a, an hour, you have a, a home-cooked brisket uh, smoked. And so those are kind of the two avenues that we went with and instead of doing a restaurant or a food truck. And we did, I will say, the first plan was food truck because you just got, you get yourself a truck, you roll in and everything else, and you're set to go, no problem. But Paris is the city of rules and regulations. Um, they love them. I don't. But it's really difficult to find a place to park your truck. It's very much on the outskirts or in a very specific area, understandably, because there's restaurants and bars everywhere who want, you know, they have to pay a lot of money to have their space. They, they don't want a, a really delicious barbecue truck sitting out in front of them taking all their customers. Finally, uh, in terms of the food truck, it's right now, it's a gray, <laughs> a gray day in Paris. Uh, not bad for a winter day, but it rains, it gets cold and you're kind of really dependent on the weather and just people coming out. And if you don't have people coming out, you don't really have a business. So, so that's, yeah, that's a very innovative business model. You're basically going to supply the restaurants, bars, and pubs. And do, does barbecue go well with beer? <laughs> so thank God bless my dad, my dad, the true Texan. I was kind of telling him my business plan, and he was very quiet listening. And I was thinking, oh, what's he thinking? He wanted me to have a restaurant. And what I told him the whole plan to supply, he goes, well, beer sells barbecue and barbecue sells beer. And I was like, well, that's very true. And we are absolutely going to use that when we're discussing with pubs why they should have our, our barbecue. So, yeah, for sure. I love that. Now, just la last little, um, you know, kind of cherry on top. Is it just are you just going to be smoking the meats like, you know, the big briskets and, and ribs and stuff like that? Or are you going to have the, the, you know, the good old sides that go with it? For sure. So we will. There's some things that are required to go with barbecue. It's not barbecue without some beans. Oh, no, actually, I take that back. It's not barbecue without cornbread. And we have the best cornbread. I didn't actually, this is a crime to say, but I did not like cornbread going up. And my grandpa used to say that he would grade my grandmother's meals and it could not be a grade A if it did not have cornbread. It was maximum a B. And if it had cornbread, it, even if it was the worst meal on the planet, it couldn't fail. So cornbread's a big deal, but I thought it was too dry. So what we do, we have a little secret to add some custard to our cornbread so it's quite juicy with real chunks of corn. So there's certainly cornbread. There's certainly sauce, uh, however, homemade sauce. But in my opinion, it doesn't need it. It's good. It's good enough as is. And then I like a pot of beans and some coleslaw on the side too. So a couple of sides, yeah. As we grow, hopefully we'll do more and more. But th the basics, absolutely, you have to. Yeah, no, that, that, that's a whole meal. And so now when you're talking, too, about the, the catering side of it, so this can be good for well, private dinners, as you mentioned, but also maybe weddings and maybe corporate events? Absolutely. So we have done, we've actually uh, catered what's essentially the Home Depot of France called Le Roi Melin. And we did a, they did a, a big party and they made it a theme party. So instead of being some kind of stuffy financial district, uh, not to say that we would not supply financial district, but it's really not your black tie affair. What is it, what's the name of your website? So it's, it's uh, www.texacq, or texac as the French say, .com. And it's both in English and in French, although the French may not be perfect. <laughs> Desi, thank you so much. And you know, your, your enthusiasm is truly admirable. Ah, thanks. I mean, it's, it's, it's an easy thing to get excited about. It's barbecue, and it's new to French people. You make their day, so yeah, I love it.
Thank you for listening to Paris Good Food and Wine. You can find photos and links related to these stories on our website, Local Food and Wine. You can also listen again on iTunes. If you'd like to make a donation to our show, as we are listener-supported, you can do so by following the Buy Now link on iTunes. La vie c'est du théâtre et des souvenirs Mais nous sommes opiniâtres à ne pas mourir À traîner sur les berges, venez voir On dirait Jenny et Serge sur le pont des arts And the show is also brought to you by the support of Paris Food and Wine. Visit us at parisfoodandwine.net. Thanks for joining us for this half hour of Paris Good Food and Wine. Myself, Paige Donner, and the rest of the team look forward to seeing you again here for the next episode of Paris Good Food and Wine. Because it's so, so, so good. Thank <laughs> you.